Welcome to the Security Asia podcast. My name is Ron Efron. I'm here once again with my colleague and friend, Abihai, who is the head of technology here in Blue Ocean Security. Today, we have an interesting topic. We are planning or attempting to unpack the whole concept of blockchain, blockchain technology, and try to see if there's any applications or if there's any merit here or in any way can be taken advantage by corporate security. Blockchain has become somewhat sexy, somewhat of a buzzword recently. Last year, the president of China, Xi Jinping, actually mentioned it in one of his speeches and a frenzy followed where many companies here in China wanted to have some element of blockchain in their portfolio. It was very interesting. So with all that, Avihai and I, mainly Avihai, we made an effort to try to better understand blockchain and look around the market and see if there's any products there that can help or contribute to corporate security in any way. So let's give this a try. Avihai, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. And you? I'm good as well. This was a big topic for us to dive into. And I know that you spent several weeks looking into this and trying to look for different companies that are actually have security applications for this. So this is a good one. And um, I hope we can cover it all within a timely fashion. Right. So, so we're going to try and also focus this session uh, towards our listeners and really try and test out and make everyone understand what does blockchain mean in a way and uh, to be able to feel confident when others are talking about blockchain to know and understand what they could do with this technology okay. as well. Sounds good. And spoilers alert, blockchain does not solve every problem that we have. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, with that in mind, why don't you give a very brief rundown, um, introduction, maybe what is blockchain and maybe how it started, and then we'll get into some of the applications. Okay, great. In the early 1990s, blockchain was first described in the, in the literature, meaning talking about some sort of technology that you could create that is mainly uh, distributed, and it's not dependent on one point or one server or one regulated type of regulator type of company. And that, that was the first description that allowed uh, Satoshi Nakamoto or some call him Satoshi Nakamoto, but no, nobody really knows who he is, but it allowed him to invent the Bitcoin where the Bitcoin was a very simple tryout, a way to test the blockchain terminology and concepts. And that boomed up. And now everybody knows what Bitcoin is. Everybody heard of Bitcoin. The point behind Bitcoin was to basically create an environment where you're not dependent on uh, for your finance and transactions between individuals. By building a digital currency and trading that digital currency and documenting it in a way where it's secure on one hand, but on the other hand, there's nobody that's really overlooking that secured documentation gives us all this added value that we're talking about. So that's how the Bitcoin has been created. A few years later, uh, let's say around 2015 already, we're jumping uh, way forward. Ethereum has been invented. So Ethereum has been invented by a very bright young person named Vitalik Buterin. And what he tried to do is build a platform and this isn't a specific usage of blockchain technology, but it's a platform for others to build on top of the blockchain concepts. So if let's say I have some kind of an idea that I want to execute in, in a blockchain, 
then I could build on top of Ethereum. Now, mm -hmm. Ethereum also has its own coin that represents the value of this platform. So if others have heard about Ethereum as a coin as well, so you could understand that there is a connection with a financial point of view. And we'll talk soon about the components of blockchain um, that will show why do we need also uh, some sort of uh, representation of a value on this platform. Okay, so Bitcoin, obviously everybody's heard about that as a digital currency that is not dependent on any government or any central sort of authority. And Ethereum is more like a utility or an application that you can build. Sorry, I should say a utility that you can build applications on top of that um, and take advantage of the blockchain technology. Is that correct? Yeah, correct. So, you know, I, I like using the word platform, uh, but... Uh, uh, but definitely, Ethereum is not about becoming a competitor with uh, Bitcoin and being bigger than Bitcoin. It's no, it's about enabling uh, the world to start working and thinking in a blockchain way of thinking. Okay. Now, the let's I would say the 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 main opinion leaders in this industry um, they see themselves starting a new generation where we're not dependent on centralized government or companies, organizations, and to try and take off that dependency. That's what's leading people in the blockchain area. Okay. Would you like to say a few words about the difference between a distributed architecture and a, a centralized architecture? And so just summarize that so we all understand what that means. So in, a, in the traditional concepts of creating any type of system. So we have um, the main components of the system, right? Uh, if these days we're able to kind of, uh, let's say, divide it logically between the back end and the front end, where the back is the processing, the database, uh, all the sensitive, would say sensitive components of the system. And the front end is the interacting interface or interacting components with the end user or the manager in, at that case. For that kind of environment to work and be set up, there's a service provider. There's someone on top of that that's, that's creating that, maintaining it, and developing it. Now, on the other hand, if we take a look at the blockchain type of style, it's where I set up a logic of service. For example, a logic of transaction of money, meaning if you pay me, then I give you something back. Now, that kind of transaction is built on top of the blockchain logics. And then from the minute we execute it and deploy it into the, into the public cloud or into the public blockchain, let's say, there's no intervention and I cannot even touch those kinds of settings to, to change it up. So what it means is that from now and on, any query or any transaction that would happen on that system would not be able to be changed. It would be saved in a area or a place, a resource in the network that is not dependent on what I decide as a manager. And when I wanna be able to uh, really process that information, the processing also happens all over the network. So what it means is, is that we're not dependent on physical components on one hand, and on the other hand, we're also keeping the whole environment secure and encrypted, not only from hackers, 
but also from the system admins that we're always uh, aware of and know that are involved in these systems. So, so, another, so another advantage here is that when let's say I create a transaction between you and me, there's no dependency on one resource in the network. So that resource is not, I don't have to wait till that resource is available to execute that transaction. But what I do is I execute the transaction and then let the system find the best place to process it. And it finds it in a, in a way where, and that's the advantage of having a distributed type of system. Well, there's many advantages, but yes, I understand what you mean. Before I uh, get into the definitions, I would want to say that we're going to try and keep them general because the purpose here is to understand a little bit about the components and what they do, mm. uh, but not to go dive into the fully understanding of the functions, how they work and how each stage really happens. That's already a little bit more complex and, and we don't want to make everyone here confused. And it's hard to do without uh, some visual aids. Um, I know if we had some, if we're able to share our screen or something, that maybe be a little bit easier. I also, I think that uh, if we get some uh, good response on this uh, topic and uh, we, could, we could build up a webinar easily and, mm -hmm. and everybody could join into that. So let's start first with uh, the node. A node is, uh, is a representation of a user or a computer within the blockchain. So that's our, let's say, identity of a resource. Uh, a transaction is, is basically a building block of the blockchain system. Part of the blockchain system is the blocks. Blocks is a data structure that helps us, as we said before, that when we define the system and the network's purpose, so we build the blocks in a way that the structure keeps the data set. So we're able to identify the data that came in beforehand and the data that, came, that will come in afterhand. And they're right. all connected between those blocks. And that maintains so, its integrity, right? Exactly. And that integrity is created by having this chain that we just explained. So a chain is a sequence of blocks in a specific order that's not really, be, you can't really change it in any way. And that's the integrity of that data. Now, there's something that whoever has looked into a little bit into Bitcoin and everything that was happening uh, a couple of years ago, especially a couple of years ago, um, there was the whole concept of miners. Miners is, is a kind of a role in the blockchain network. So in the blockchain network, we need to be able to execute some compute actions on the network. And then what happens is, is that after that compute process happens, we really commit the transaction. Till we don't have that mining part of the, of the flow, the transaction that you and I will transfer money one from another won't really happen. And that's why it was, uh, it's also a key for a blockchain technology to succeed and thrive. So with Bitcoin, we saw that they really pushed people to mine the data, meaning go buy computers, go buy servers, connect them to any electricity and network that you have, and just mine the data that's coming into the blockchain. Process all these transactions. The more you do that, you'll get incentivized and you'll get Bitcoins for that. So if I try to think about the difference between a node and a miner or mining, the mining is actually happening on a node. Would that be correct? Exactly. So but the mining, mining is, is the actual computation aspect, whereas the node is just, just like the machine, so to speak. A node could be uh, just a machine 
that has a specific role, but it's not about the mining. The mining is a specific role within the network that has to have a node to be able to work on. Okay. Right. Now, um, correct me if I'm wrong, though. It seems today, because of the structure of Bitcoin, the time of transaction is getting longer and longer. And, and this is part of that reason, right? Correct. The more that the chain is longer and more complex, the mining process, the process of committing the transaction into the chain will take more time right. and, and will be more complicated. And that's one of the disadvantages of the blockchain technology. Correct. Especially in financial transactions when you want everything to be done uh, very quickly. So you just mentioned uh, an incentive. So uh, what, what does that mean exactly? So it means that the system or the system creators create some kind of incentive for people that would want to participate in this network or in this service, and they would be able to earn money on it. So for example, we'll talk soon about, about what are the uh, usages and benefits of blockchain, and then we'll talk about how the miner can monetize a little bit on top of that. But beforehand, I, I, wanna, I wanna talk about two more points, two more components, and, and then we can move on to that. Okay, so as we mentioned earlier, is that to be able to have this kind of blockchain network uh, functioning, we need to have some rules set up in advance. And that's called the consensus, meaning the agreement of how this network will function and work. Under that, we have a smart contract, where a smart contract is the list of actions that we're able to take once a transaction happens or once something happens in the system. So let's say once... I sent you money and you accepted that money. That's when the smart contract will start working and doing all kinds of actions inside the blockchain system. So, so those are the main components in, in blockchain. And now let's try and dive in a little bit to the, to the usages and benefits of, of using blockchain. The first use case that, that we see and we talked about right now is money transactions. If we talk about that flow quick, very quickly, it means that if I want to send money to Ron, I will share with him my credential. I have this public key and I have a private key. The public key is something that I could share with Ron. And by that, we could create our transaction. And when we do the transaction, the private keys are also implemented in the transaction. And once it's been committed and verified by the consensus, the set of rules that have been set under that uh, blockchain network, in this case, let's say Bitcoin, that's when it would be committed. And once it's been committed, the smart contract will go into action and document in other areas of the system, whatever it needs to document. So that's on the finance side, on the more traditional and where uh, the main usage of blockchain is right now. Mm -hmm. If we talk a little bit about benefits of this kind of way of thinking into other industries, we could bring up the healthcare industry where Let's say I have my personal health information here in Israel stored in one um, clinic or one hospital. Now I travel to China or to the U.S. and, and I go into the hospital and I want, I want the doctor to be able to, to see the full history of my personal health. These days it's impossible. The only way it's possible is to go back to your country, print it out, bring it with you or something like that. Right. So you're referring uh, to the medical records to some sort exactly. of. So the bigger point here is that blockchain technology can be very useful for 
storing or managing uh, all sorts of records and the integrity of those records and the control of those records. And healthcare is maybe a very good up, uh, example of that. Correct. So on one hand, it's, it's about the storing the data. But on, on the other hand, it's about how do you identify yourself in that network in a way that all these companies that are involved or touching the, the data will feel confident that it's really you and not anybody else. So the identity point is also a very uh, important uh, matter over here. Right. So if we talk about the identity management in general around the blockchain world, it's like, if now I need to create a tr money transaction, I need to send you $50. $50. I don't want to share with you my email address or my phone number in this case. I don't want to share with you my bank account information. All I want to share with you is that this is really is, me. Is the $50. <laughs> is the $50. And that it's, re and it's and really you. It. You're right. And that's exactly right. So how are you able to do that in the current uh, world, let's say, or current systems? You can't. Nearly impossible. Unless there's someone in the middle that's monitoring everything and saying, okay, he's really him and he's really him. And then you could do the transaction. So we could see also stuff like that. But in the blockchain era, that's gone. We don't have to share our personal information, our private information that's relevant to other services that we're using in this world for a minimum transaction of $50. Just doesn't make sense. What that does, it also adds up to the uh, GDPR standard that we see today, meaning we see that this is something that countries are issuing and dealing with and building these policies that would commit that the, the data won't be abused and the identities won't be abused as well. And the blockchain is much more secure and advanced than any other traditional system in that matter. Around, around corporate security, then the aspect of identity management might be helpful or might, we might be able to use uh, blockchain technology. Uh, yeah, for sure. That would be uh, even more than that. We Imagine using blockchain technology for international identity, meaning if now like I'm passports. an employee, if, if I'm an employee, no, I'm not even talking about the governments because the governments have an issue with the blockchain concept. It's taking a little bit out of their work. Right. But let's say now I'm an employee under Blue Ocean and tomorrow morning I go to work for Microsoft. Right. How do we migrate that identity or how do we share that identity in a way that it doesn't, nobody's holding my identity. Nobody's holding my personal information. It's mine that I share what's relevant to others. Right. It's a and whole when, different and when you want to, right? Exactly. That, actually, that, that, that actually exactly um, is according to GDPR and what they're trying to achieve. Correct. Because these days we see that the more the data grows, the more those companies are able to abuse the data or use the data to benefit on themselves. You also mentioned, I think when we last talked about the possibility of authenticating sort of video footage and this in the security arena or even around uh, possibilities to avoid those, what's the so-called deep fakes that we're seeing today. Right, great. So, so let's talk a little bit about security systems with blockchain. So if we talk about video systems, we could see that especially these days, that um, video is, is one of the main tools for explaining and sharing data. We also see that as a risk where data could be, the video could be tampered and changed for your own benefit. And we see that all the time. We see that on Facebook, on TikTok, on 
any social media, you could see that happening. So, so how could blockchain really help that, that matter? So if we take what we talked about in the last hour and we see how the blockchain creates this chain where we know exactly how that data looked like and we know what was the data before it and after it in the chain, it makes it nearly impossible to change that data of that video. Now, if we take it from kind of social media type of videos to security footage or also government footage that they need to share with the world if something happens or stuff like that. Also for security footage, especially banks that, that have compliance, that have regulation, this makes it even more secure. It makes, it, it makes us feel confident about that data. To ask a general question, if we ask ourselves, does that mean that uh, the future of video management systems would be on blockchain? The answer to that would be, in my opinion, would be no, not mm -hmm. yet, because, because there's other matters here that we need to take in, in consideration. So on one hand, yeah, it's very secure. It's very, um, it's utilizing all your hardware, all your processing components that you have in your data center because you're able to work in a distributed way so you're not dependent on one server and you're utilizing all the idle resources in your environment. But on the other hand, you don't know what's the performance of retrieving that data, right? How long does it take you to view that video? And how long will it take you to, to write a query on like a big data query saying, find the red shirt in, in each frame? If I ask myself if this is the future of security systems or video systems, I would say I'm not sure about that yet. If we okay. talk about the identity and the access level, so on that point, we also see a great advantage regarding the identity management that we talked about right now. But on the other hand, when do we, what would we see on the performance side? Are we going to see that uh, access is easier or it's going to take more time? These are things that really need to be tested and uh, to what scale as well. So I would say that the technology is new, but it's been out there already for almost 30 years. I would say that there's specific industries that are trying to really leverage this blockchain technology, mainly around the finance. And regarding our future in the security industry, I would say it's something that definitely it's, it's worth paying attention to and, uh, and maybe being innovative and using that, uh, using the blockchain technology to help solve some of our security problems. Have we seen any applications in the market yet that are being used or any companies that have developed actual corporate security applications using or utilizing blockchain technology? So I wouldn't say on an enterprise level in any way on an enterprise level, but I've seen companies that do IoT and do blockchain technology and they are trying to do blockchain networks for video coming from that side of the industry and not from the security providers. Okay, that sounds interesting. Is there anything else you want to add to this? No, I think pretty much that's it. Okay, so in summary, <laughs> if this is interesting. There might be some elements here that companies can take advantage of, maybe around um, identity management or record keeping or possibly even utilizing idle computer resources but actual corporate physical security applications we don't really see yet. And uh, we'll keep our eyes open, but uh, I think that's where we have to leave it for now. So once again, I hope you enjoyed this cast. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to send us an email at podcast at 
blueoceansecurity.com. That's B-L-U-OceanSecurity.com. We'd love to hear from you and hear your comments. We will also consider or look out for a possible webinar on this topic, and we'll continue to keep you up to date with different developments that are going on in the security business. So once again, Avichai, thank you for your time. Thank you. And uh, stay safe, my friend.